Uh, <laughs> right. What are you doing? What's wrong? Uh, oh, oh no! It's it's my trusty cape. It got stuck in this phone booth. Right. You told me you had an opening bit, and that's what you had. You know what? You didn't have one, so that's what I went with. First thought, worst thought. What can I say? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> well, how you doing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is uh, this how it's going to be now if we take a week if off? If we take two weeks off. Well, we just sound <laughs> like we took two weeks off from content because, yes, we're now doing free episodes every two weeks and Patreon episodes in the alternate weeks. So it's okay. not like we took two weeks off really we didn't in fact we had to put out two pieces of patreon content in the last week because now we're gonna get into the cycle that we're expecting that we're going with forward while you're pregnant and my brain is slowly falling out of my headpan right right (laughs) that's quite a way to put it it works just very intense so i'm like mentally exhausted but i'm glad to be here Talking about a song that nobody's ever heard, <laughs> which is not true. Tons of people have heard. I'm not tons. Plenty of people have heard it. But yes, um, well, I'll just have to start. I'll do, before we, you know what, when we take our two weeks between regular episodes, I'm going to have to spend that week listening to old episodes so that I stay in the swing of things. Mm, that sounds good, actually. <laughs> Keep it fresh. Listening to myself prattle on and cut you off. And <laughs> I, when I listen to our show to like, you know, quality check it and stuff, I'm like, oh, shut up. Let her talk. I'm a bigger fan of you. Even though when I'm sitting at this table, I'm clearly a bigger fan of myself. That's how it happens. Well, uh, yeah, no, it's n- not really any top of the show business because um, no voicemails or anything. I was trying to think, is there anything we need to It's been pretty update? quiet in the fandom, right? In Ryan K fandom, yeah. yeah, no big things. Oh, there was... Sorry, we're talking about my cape got stuck in the phone booth. So I understand <laughs> that you, you, you got a little confused there that I could be talking about any DC one fandom. of many fandoms. Oh, there, yeah. no, there's big doings in DC all the time. We'll talk sure. about that in just a little bit. With all the stuff going on there, Warner Brothers just like sucking, you know? Right, Just right. being bad at everything. But uh, no, uh, Danny. What stinks more, uh, Warner Brothers or this song? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's fine. I'm just glad to have unreleased Reliant K. So something you know? Did you ever hear this song before? I I can't believe we're launching into. We're only three minutes in. I was trying to find something else to talk about for the top of the show, (laughs) and then you just launched into your your setup into the song. Um, Had you ever heard this song before? No. You never heard it at all? No, I mean, well, I had heard of it. So what's funny is that apparently I thought we were going to do this song back in October of 2021 because I had already had a note with all my deep dive in my phone (laughs) already done for me. And then I I repeated my deep (laughs) dive just to be sure. Yeah, I repeated my deep dive just to make sure nothing new popped up. But You didn't didn't do any work (laughs) this week. You just outsourced it to your past self. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, this is like a rare, this is another one of them rare tracks, another one of those deep cut, unreleased songs, but I, unlike I, Snake Charmer, sorry, go ahead, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just <laughs> going to say that I love that the image associated with this unreleased track is mm. from the era of Matt, Matt, John, John, and Dave. Even though if you listen to this song, it is absolutely not from that era at all, because there's a little bit of British decent in there. Right. So this is a unreleased track that is most likely from around the time of the first album. Uh, unlike Snake Charmer, uh, this was sort of publicly released in, an, in a somewhat official capacity. Snake Charmer which we talked about when we talked about Snake Charmer, was a song that like the band has never really acknowledged to anything that we found. And it was just like leaked as early as original Napster. Now my cape is stuck in a phone booth. I don't know. You know, I did some real like deep diving to try to figure something out about Snake Charmer. And we ended up having to just kind of like fill things in from context clues. Mm-hmm. This... It definitely is from early in the band. It's not... It's got to be demo era. It's got to be like demo era or during that time when they had their... uh, What was that called? The uh, deal, the the development deal with Goatee or something like that. This is some very... This is a very, very early demo. It's funny because when you put it on the other day, I hadn't listened to it since I did notes back in 2021. Okay. And so when you put it on again... And it was in, like, October of that year as well. So when you put it on again, at first I was like, wait, is this Snake Charmer? And then I was like, oh, no. This <laughs> no, because it, it didn't open with that, <laughs> that, oh, that questionable right, 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 cultural right. appropriation. Yeah, I had already forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> but so this song was sort of released in a semi-official capacity in that I believe, I don't know if you found this in your deep dive, that this was included in the digital scavenger hunt to promote Bird and the B-Sides. Did you find information about that? Uh, I might have. I have the, um, I have a Reddit uh, post that has a link to a Dropbox track with this in it. So it might give that, and that detail Dropbox there. Dropbox might not be active anymore. Eh? Gotcha. Dropbox, it's, yeah, I have a different version of the track. Well, I'll talk about what versions of the track exist in a minute, but this was, you know, we've never actually understood exactly what that digital online scavenger hunt was. We hear about it all the time, and I'm sure some people have been involved. Please, if you were a part of the online scavenger hunt to promote Bird and the B-Sides, call us up and explain just what was it. Practically speaking, like, what did you do? Yeah. How did you find things? Yeah, how because- did you get to each, like... A- site that had whatever hidden stuff yeah. on it so i guess it was some sort of digi- some sort of creative digital promotional thing where you start on some website and then you have to find your way to other websites and on those websites or maybe you had to type things in or maybe they were passwords or maybe it was just a url you put together and then you would find i guess mp3s of songs that didn't get released on burden the b-sides is this like the uh, the old Donnie Darko website where you had to be like super deep in it to like access it because you had to answer like a bunch of questions in order to get in? 
I think the internet has a lot of history of those like cryptic websites that, that are designed like puzzle boxes. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bunch of examples of those sort of things that I just don't know personally because I was never involved in them. So was this one of them. those or was it an actual scavenger hunt where you had to go site to site to site to site? I don't know. We don't know. That's I don't what I'm know. Saying. I know as much as you do. Someone out there knows. Someone who took yeah. part in the digital scavenger hunt for Reliant K from around 2008-ish. Call us up, explain it, or email us, or something. we got to figure out exactly what this was. So we know you're out there, whether you listen to us or not. So if you know someone <laughs> you know who, someone. <laughs> who did this and doesn't listen... Turn them in. <laughs> Are you now, or have you ever been a member of the Relying K online scavenger hunt party? Uh, so this was apparently one of the prizes you could find from that digital scavenger hunt, and I guess that's why this song exists online today. Unlike Snake Charmer, which we had to speculate was probably like a demo. Uh, it was definitely, you know, Snake Charmer was a studio live demo. Like it just feels they did not track that song, Snake Charmer. So it was probably passed around between friends or something of Reliant K, personal friends, and then found its way online. This, if it was leaked before the scavenger hunt, I'm not sure, but apparently it was part of the scavenger hunt, and that's why. It's kind of around today. Now, the version that's uploaded, when you actually go search, there's there's nothing for this song, by the way. We do have one cover, one exclusive cover coming up Ooh. later. But when you go look on YouTube for Reliant K Phone Booth, there is only one video, and it is a fan upload of the song from nine years ago, uploaded by Andrew Finch. Unfortunately, and it has 1.7 thousand views. Unfortunately, Andrew Finch's upload of the song has these like digital stutters. These kind of like like bits are missing. And I wonder if the track that Andrew had a copy of was corrupt. So it lost like microseconds of information between the song. So you have these weird little stutters or when he went to... uh, put it into a video format with the image of the five score era band that definitely did not play this song. If we wanted to put it in the video, if there were dropped frames from the exported video and that caused these five, these uh, like microseconds of the song to be missing. What I did was I went to the Reliant K Discord and there's a room on there with a bunch of rare tracks and I found a copy there that's much cleaner. So that's the version that we're going to play right now i say the fact that this is not an officially like commercially commercially released song that we go ahead and just play the whole song how long is this it's um it's almost three minutes long but we did this before with snake charmer so i think we this is just another case where we do that we don't normally play a full song uh you know that's available on an album but this is one case where we're gonna it's not really available. Here's the song so you know what we're talking about. What do I do that I'm out to anything at all? Wake me if I fall asleep. My goals are what they should be, but my mind will have to change. See things another way. I'll be taking the forward Jumping into the ring 
behind that edit in of the song just like criticizing the lyrics that were uploaded to az lyrics well because you have to take it with a grain of salt because obviously this is an unreleased track so there's no official lyrics out there so it's just people writing what they could suss out but it's just first to the goal (laughs) yeah whoever kind of like sat down typed out what they thought the lyrics were and got them uploaded to azlyrics.com. And then other just, lyric websites picked them up, spit them back out yeah. again. So there are there are some inconsistencies here that I just don't think that that's what he's, the words he's singing. So we'll talk about the music in another little bit. And we'll talk about what the title even means in a little bit. But let's get into these lyrics. I guess let's talk about let's talk about the vibe of the song first. And then we'll talk now that you've heard it. Yeah. Let's talk about the vibe musically of the song. It's kind of skate punky. It's kind of skate punky. Like a lot of those demo songs. Right. And so it definitely it has a feeling that like it would never have written this song any later than they did. Yeah. Like there are certain songs on uh you know the self-titled and on all work and no play that relying k would never have written you know after 2002 ish are you talking about marilyn manson ain't my girlfriend <laughs> i don't just mean lyrically <laughs> i mean musically there are songs that i think that yeah, yeah they kind of experimented on especially on the self-titled album they kind of experimented with different songs, different ideas of what a Relying K song could be. And then I think that that sound got kind of codified by Anatomy and definitely by Two Lefts. And then, mm-hmm, like, what a Relying K song is was clearly defined. But with the self-titled, you know, Balloon Ride, Softer to Me, those kind of songs aren't the type of songs you necessarily would expect Reliant K to write and perform later on. So this kind of goes in line with... This feels in line with that, where, like, this isn't the kind of song I would expect Reliant K to have written any later than they did. Although Um, I think it's interesting because lyrically, I think the first two verses... Are, are themes like that are lyrics that could come up again? Oh, I yeah. think it's a theme that we would definitely I'm, see over and over again throughout. Reliant absolutely, K's this is like quintessential lyrically Reliant K. It's just, or you know, it's very beta version, but very clearly, yeah. The the you know, 
it, it not less amateurish than some other lyrics. There is some amateurish elements to it. Yeah, but yeah I just meant really thematically, just those, those first two verses. Thematically, this is definitely a Ryan K's song. Musically, it kind of starts with this like maybe Midwest emo sort of inspired, sort of post hardcore inspired little guitar thing in the background you and your midwest emo well i really think that that was probably an influence not on this song as a whole but probably just like the way it starts with this strange little angular like repeating guitar effect in the background and then the vocals are a little inharmonious to exactly what that is and then it kicks into gear into a skate punk song just a couple more seconds in. And then they return to that slightly angular guitar effect, like notes thing later. I think that this is just a combination of a bunch of kind of influences that I could imagine them having around 2000. Because this also, when it gets into the skate punky part, it has a feeling to me of the, of like, early Green Day, like 39 smooth Green Day, like no later than that. Not that this sounds like a first album Green Day song, but this just sounds like a band. This song sounds to me like it was written by someone who listened to a lot of Green Day's first two albums and listened to like, uh, you know, Knapsack and Promise Ring and Braid and those kind of Midwest second generation emo bands that we talked about with Jimmy E. Pod when we had them on for our Anchorage episode. It feels like just a little bit of a stew of those influences. And I was also thinking about, I'm not really familiar with the band No Knife, but they are definitely in that post-hardcore, angular, second generation emo thing, that scrams thing that we've been talking about since the Anchorage episode. And apparently that band was a big influence on Reliant K. And now again, I want to check them out more. I listened to them a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, there's kind of that thing that I'm talking about here. But Tyson, on his appearance on the Less Than Jake Guys podcast, mentioned that No Knife was an influence on Be My Escape. Oh, interesting. And then, we never talked about this, but after both parts of our Sadie Hawkins dance episodes, I found footage of Relying K performing Sadie Hawkins dance at the... 2001 cornerstone mm-hmm. which is not a cornerstone that we've ever seen interesting i got confused on the date because for when i went ahead and tweeted it but basically like that that's 2002 is the first full set of reliant k performing at cornerstone that we see all the time but apparently on youtube there's one video of them performing at the 2001 Cornerstone. We had never seen this before. It's them performing Sadie Hawkins pa- uh, Sadie Hawkins dance. And I think it's Hoops is wearing a No Knife t-shirt. So apparently No Knife was a very big influence. Wow. And since they're kind of that twinkly emo thing, I think that was probably an influence on this song. That video is super cool, by the way. You gotta go see it. Because <laughs> they got, like, bleached hair. They look very punk comparatively to even just a year later. Like, they look more punk. Uh, Steven's in the band still. And it's re- and I posted it to our Twitter. And Hoops replied to it. Saying, like, this is, I don't, you know, this is really cool. He did say, he didn't say, I don't remember this. He's like, this looks really cool. We look so punk. And he mentioned the No Knife t-shirt. Which is why I picked this up. 
And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I think this is a little mishmash of late 90s influences that stretch back to the early 90s. I like the... I guess we're just talking about the music now, and then we'll get back to the lyrics. (laughs) I like the little harmonies that come in. I guess there's, like, a pre-chorus and a chorus, right? There's not... There's not... I think there's a verse, a pre-chorus, and a chorus. We don't have genius to help us out here. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, like... What do you do? Like, the first part, I think, is the verse. Then the bouncy part is the pre-chorus. No, 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 wait. <laughs> I've, I've confused if the bouncy part comes before <laughs> the fast skate punky part. <laughs> but whichever. I think one of them is the pre I think it goes verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Verse, pre-chorus, chorus, in that order. And then there's a bridge, which is kind of like a... Call us up, let us know we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't like dissect the song's structure. And then there's the sort of a it's sort of a solo but it's just like a driving downstroke so it's not a guitar solo, it's just a bridge section, an instrumental breakdown section. And I like the harmonies. It's they feel ambitious. There's a da, 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 when he's singing da, 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 feed my, when I feed my horse. Da, 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 da. Those are the lyrics, right? <laughs> when he's singing that part, the bouncy part, and then underneath, what is it with reliant hand horses? <laughs> I know. When he's singing that part underneath, you hear what I think is Tyson and Hoops and whoever else was doing vocals in the band then, Stephen. Maybe like going ah, like they're just singing underneath. <laughs> or is it the other guy who who was on the demo at first? Todd. Todd. <laughs> we don't. Who knows? I feel like this is not. Okay, well, here's my personal theory based on nothing but just feeling it out. I think this was recorded after they got signed to Goatee. I think mm-hmm. this was probably recorded during the development deal, maybe during demoing for the first album. Because we, uh, you know, he's not doing full-on British Tyson, but he's still got some of that effect, which I think maybe that's some Green Day influence. Oh, write that where... down for one of our uh, our questions oh, for the point. band. <laughs> you know how Billy Joel Armstrong has, like, that fake kind of fakey British thing going, but it's not so British? I think here on this song, British Tyson found that comfortable spot where he's got kind of that snotty Billy Joel Armstrong... Uh, pseudo british thing without actually doing the british voice that he so infamously did on the demo it's a little bit there it's a little bit there there, but that's what i'm saying is i feel like it's more green day more like influenced not a full-on pretending i'm british thing yeah so that's what makes me think that this was probably recorded during the development deal as sort of a demo and a build-up to recording their first album because we also found proof recently when we did the ballad of Tim Eddings. Tim Eddings was, is that's the hidden track on the remastered version of Anatomy. And we found an interview with Tim Eddings from the early 2000s where he was talking about the demos for the self-titled during the development deal. And how he went back to Goatee and he's like, guys, listen, you have them in a development deal. You know that but, new sound you're looking for? That's basically what he did. T- Tim Eddings in this interview with Polestar. It was an interview with Polestar. He went to, he says he went to Goatee and he said, look, you've got them signed into a development deal. 
but listen to what they've already developed on these demos for their first album. These are ready. They are ready to go into the studio now and make their first album. So the recording here feels confident. It feels mature. Like, I don't think that the structure of this song is very Reliant K at all. I think it's a little sloppy. I think the song shows a lot of promise and has mm-hmm. some really good things going on in this song. The drums are a little clunky. Right. But this is a de- I think that this is a demo recorded during the development deal to show Goatee Records where they are as a band and to prove and and I'm sure to Goatee Records it was basically like keep going to the studio, keep recording, keep playing shows until you get better and then we'll tell you when you're ready to be a real band right but like i can tell they're already a real band and that's why you know tim eddings went ahead and went to go to records and said no they're a real band they're ready to end the development deal put them on the label let's get going i i feel like this is a kind of if i'm if i'm right i feel like this is probably a piece of that this is probably something that tim eddings would have taken them to go to records and said listen to the song it's already sounds mature. It it's might have some edges you can sand off, but it's not rough around the edges. You know? Like, it's just a little coarse around the edges. Right. So, yeah, I like this song. Um, compared to... I've been, I've been saying the name of the song this whole episode. What's that other hidden track we Snake did? Charmer? Snake Charmer. Compared to Snake Charmer, I think that this is much hidden more... Track. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a much more ambitious and uh, mature attempt at something demo-wise than Snake Charmer. I think Snake Charmer, from its, you know, from its musical idea, which there's nothing new in Snake Charmer, to its lyrical idea, which is at worst problematic, at best like immature and half-baked. That's how I feel about Snake Charmer. Here, I think they're trying interesting things. They're mashing two styles that might seem uh, difficult to put together, like a slight Midwest twinkly emo thing into a early Green Day skate punk thing with some bouncy pop punk, like MXPX type stuff during the chorus. Like, it, that's a bunch of different influences coming together into an ambitious idea for a, a, a burgeoning pop punk christian punk band and then they named the song after that guy on the front of the uh the supertones album (laughs) exactly (laughs) so yeah that's how i feel about the music uh you want to get into the lyrics now let's do it so they mention quicksand in this song, which is weird because, like, how many bands have, have songs where they mention quicksand? And I was like, I swear they mention quicksand and Snake Charmer. So I looked up the lyrics and I was like, okay, no, they don't. And I'm like, is there another one of these, like, demo era early songs, unreleased songs where they mention quicksand? Why do I, why do I feel like I've read a, a Reliant K quicksand lyric before? Is it like car crashes <laughs> and that lyric that he repeats a couple of times on mm-hmm, like he has motifs that he <laughs> repeats like was quicksand an early <laughs> motif that Tyson was going for and i have a lyric search tool that i created and i don't find quicksand to be mentioned in a previous in another in a okay, later it could K just song. be that i'm thinking back to this song when i did my research for it a year ago let's see if there's any songs that mention sand <laughs> i need you i've dug up miles and miles of sand that's a lyric from this song, I Need You. And If You Want It, which is the second half of 
you know, that this, this is, is the, the end, end if you want yeah. it. Frozen from the sleet, burned sand and stones. That's a lyric from If You Want It. All right. So my cape <laughs> is stuck in the phone booth. What do I do that amounts to anything at all? Wake me if I fall asleep. My goals are what they should be, but my mind will have to change and see things another way. And that right there, those two first two verses or whatever they technically are categorized as, where I was like, these are, this is like a, a theme that comes up again and again and right. again and again in Reliant K songs. Yeah, like wake wake me up if I fall asleep. Wake up call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll be taking just that idea of like and my goals are what they should be, time but I have to change my mind. Yeah, yeah I have time to change the way Tyson. exactly. I have to change the way I'm thinking. Yeah, self-help uh searching Tyson. Uh, I'll be taking a bull by the horns, which I love is taken with a capital T here. Right. That's just a typo. Um, I'll be taking the bull by the horns. <laughs> but it's, they wrote, I'll be taking a bull. I'll be taken a bull by the horns. Take the action in this world. And we both thought we heard war instead of world when yeah. we were listening through. I thought it said take some action in this war. Yeah. But here it says take the action in this world, which... I think our lyric is more sound. I think what we heard is more sound because yeah. take the action in this world. That's not a sentence. That's not well, a clause. Then that again, means Danny, anything. we are like the forest for the cemetery, and it's the forest <laughs> for the cemeteries, and we disagree with that lyric. Yeah, but so. what we heard is a better lyric. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just saying it could be that way again. Uh, jumping into the ring and take control of everything. Yeah, that's fine. So, especially like. Uh, I think it might be taking control of everything. I know there was an ING added to one of these, and I couldn't remember which one. So I'm taking the bull by the horns. Take take some take that. I'm going to read what I think it is. (laughs) I'm taking the bull by the horns. Take some action in this war. Jumping into the ring and take control of everything. It's a little mixed metaphor, but it's you know all in the same ballpark of like a bullfight, a war, and a wrestling match three motifs of sort of uh, conflict and violence. And he's using them all together to talk about his struggle. You know, he hasn't landed on the point yet, but he's talking about his struggle with sin. So he's got a bullfight. He's got a war. He's got a wrestling match. And they're all mixed, three mixed metaphors for his struggle with personal sin. The blame I'm not thinking that's me, of course. I look in the mirror and I see the source. Okay, Michael Jackson. Okay. <laughs> Spot my problems, going to change my ways. I need God's love and I need his grace. I'm going to change my ways. Yeah, yeah, today. Now, that's that's another lyric that I think that this contributor to AZ Lyrics misheard. They wrote, the blame I'm not thinking that's me, of course. I heard the grave that I'm digging is for me, of course. Yeah, I also I heard 100% that. I 100% hear yeah. the grave, grave that I'm digging yeah. is for me, of course. So I feel like the person who typed these lyrics up is probably a very positive person, and they could not imagine <laughs> the, such, a, such a dark sentiment as Matt Thiessen digging a grave for himself. But that is very much on par with Christian Punk and everything we've talked about with some of we you know with this first generation of songs and similar bands from the time of equating your sin and equating your failures and also kind of equate and also kind of 
um, seeing your relationship and your salvation to Christ, you know, dying unto yourself and, you know, dying unto yourself, but also you are digging your own grave because you are purposefully setting yourself up to sin instead of turning away from the temptation itself. So he, I do believe 100% that he's saying he's digging himself a grave, not the blame. Although they're very similar, what this person contributed to AZ lyrics is still in the ballpark. They said the blame, I'm not thinking that's me, of course. Hey, that is if that would be a very Tyson-esque mm-hmm. lyric in other times. That would be a very bad friend Tyson lyric in the bad te- the bad friend Tyson theme of he's not sure why his friendships and relationships fail. Because I don't think I've thought about this before, but when it comes to bad friend Tyson songs, of which there are many, um, it's a theme he comes to all the time, but you could put those bad friend Tyson songs in two buckets. You could put the ones where he knows it's his fault, and you could put them in the ones where he doesn't understand why this keeps happening when he's tried so hard. So that would be, you know, the blame I'm thinking, that's not me, of course. That could go in that later bucket, but I don't think that's what he's saying here. I look in the mirror and I see the source. Well, I guess that second line makes a little bit more sense with with what they thought, what this contributor thought was the first line. But let me read it with what I think it is. The grave that I'm digging is for me, of course. I look in a mir- in the mirror and I see the source. Well, I think both my lyric and the AZ lyrics contributors lyrics work with that second line. Well, especially because the next line is spot my problems going to change my ways. Yeah. So this is an early Bad Friend Tyson song. Like, I don't recall right now uh, what Bad Friend Tyson songs we've uh, More like a bad Christian Tyson song. Yeah, Because it says, I need God's love and I need his grace. Right. Um... So then the next set of lyrics is, once again, I've fallen into sin. It's like quicksand around my soul. The more I struggle, the stronger it holds. On to me, I want to be free, want to be able to see that there's another way. If I check myself today, I want to. Which I think might be a little muddled as well, right. that last line. The 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 idea, the quicksand around my soul lyric feels a little silly <laughs> when he's yeah. singing it. In that pseudo But it does sound like (laughs) Tyson. It does sound like Tyson. The thing is, when you read it out loud, it works a lot better just read you kind of reading it as slam poetry than in the context of this mid ninety this pre Blink one eighty two pop punk style song. Um this like Green Day sort of thing. Um yeah, like that lyric really sticks out like a sore thumb. It just feels a little silly. It's like a quicksand around my soul. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that is a lyric that absolutely can work. There's nothing wrong with that lyric in and of itself. But I think put together in this context of this song, April snoring under the table. Hey, at least she's not begging for treats. <laughs> no, she's not. Uh, put in the context of this song with this style of music, it feels like a sore thumb. It feels out of place. But <laughs> what did I say when we were listening to the song together? I went, it's like a Chinese finger trap around my soul. Right. The stronger, the more I struggle, the more it holds. I don't know if Chinese finger trap is uh, not the appropriate thing to call that. Right. Do kids today have, I guess I could have just said finger trap. Right. Uh, hold on. Before we go on any further. That used to be what you called them. Um, what do you call a Chinese finger 
trap in, we'll say in 2022. (laughs) Okay, Wikipedia. Chinese finger trap, also known as the Chinese finger puzzle, Chinese thumb cuff, and Chinese handcuffs, is a gag toy used to play a practical joke on unsuspecting children and adults. The finger trap is a simple puzzle that traps the victim's fingers, often index fingers, in both ends of a small cylinder woven from, from bamboo. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it has been those available. Are fun. I've had a, I had a couple of those as a kid. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! I, I wanted to find I know. who invented who invented them, but um, <laughs> I, I went <laughs> I went further down the opening paragraph. And it's, uh, okay, before I get to that, the way to escape the trap is to push the ends towards the middle, which enlarges the openings and frees the fingers. I hope everyone out there is familiar with the finger trap concept, but here's a sentence that blew my mind. A single-ended virgin, virgin, a single-ended virgin, (laughs) a single-ended version. Is that a male or a female plug? Good question, but that's what we're actually getting towards. (laughs) <laughs> How apropos that I accidentally said virgin when oh, this no. is what I'm about to say. Oh, no. A single-ended version sold as a girlfriend trap has been available oh. at least since at least 1870 when it was recorded as a... I thought that was going someplace much dirtier. I guess so. It's But let me see. It's just like, oh, there's a girl that I like. I'm going to trap her in the finger trap and then she's stuck with me. And then there's like a German word for this. So I guess... Hold on. The girlfriend trap version of the finger trap was called a... <laughs> girlfriend trap sounds like an early 2000s <laughs> movie. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. The, the girl, so the, the the girlfriend trap was also called the... Mitchenfinger. Mitchenfinger. Or girl catcher. <laughs> but I, but it's like, hey, I'm going to catch the girl. I'm going to catch her with the trap. It's it the just, opposite of a Sadie Hawkins dance. Seems, yeah. <laughs> it seems predatory. Um, I just want to see who invented them because if they weren't invented in China, then it's like a name that someone gave to it in like the late 19th century in a racist way. And we should not be calling them that anymore. Right. And here's just a bunch of cultural references to them in movies and television shows. It doesn't say who created it. Oh, this is interesting. I'm just going to say finger trap because I'm not getting information about who actually invented them and if it's appropriate to call them Chinese finger traps anymore. But finger traps have been used for for straightening Bennett's fracture, which is like a fracturing of the fingers. Like they actually have medical applications. Well, that's great. And then they also use them... Much more useful than catching ladies. (laughs) And they also use them... For like pulling cables through tubes and oh, stuff. Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't expect to learn about f- more about finger traps today, but that came up because of the quicksand thing. Yeah. So the last two lines are just uh, repeats. Take a bull by the horns. Take some action in this world or war. Jumping into the ring and take control of everything. The blame I'm not taking. That's me, of course. I look in the mirror the and I see the source. Spot my problems, going to change my ways. I need God's love. I need his grace. I'm going to change my ways. Yeah, 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 today. Sorry, just two yes. Yeah, yeah. Today. So this is a song about grappling with sin. That's what the song is about. It's got a lot of 
uh, early... It's about keeping a finger trap on the yeah. the down low. It's got a lot of Wait, proto. You, you knew where I, I wasn't going anywhere. I get it. I get it. It's got a lot of proto Matt Thiessen lyrical themes. I think this is probably a very ambitious song and uh, it kind of makes sense why it didn't make its way any further than this. But I also can see why it would be a song that they would be a little bit more proud of giving some spotlight online as part of the um, part of the digital scavenger hunt. Like not a song that they're embarrassed by and don't acknowledge at all like Snake Charmer. So, you know, I think that there's some very interesting DNA of Relying K found in this. There's, there's kind of a lot of things that come up for years to this day of Relying K's music, their influences musically, their themes lyrically, a lot of that is found right here. And if I'm correct in thinking that this was a demo for the first album, that this was put together in the studio as part of their development deal, it shows a lot of ambition and a lot of strength for their band. And it shows that they kind of had their course set out for them artistically and you can see how they kind of grow out of this so this is a really interesting song that i think every reliant k fan should sort of check out snake charmer is an oddity that isn't really worth checking out except as a funny oddity that the band doesn't acknowledge but this one is definitely more worth checking out in the context of everything i just said one other thing you said was it, so yeah the uh, the official not official the fa- the existing YouTube upload of this song has Matt Matt Dave John and John and that is not the lineup that performed this song it's just kind of an album cover that I think existed for that was made by someone made by fans on those fan Dropbox and Google drives of like on for putting artwork on an unreleased MP3 that doesn't have official artwork but the version that I downloaded from the Discord server in the Rare Tracks room, it also had a different picture of the same lineup. <laughs> so for some reason, this version of the band that is definitely doesn't have Dave in it. I would go on a limb and say definitely doesn't have even Dave in this lineup of the band performing this song. It's funny how like people canonically kind of think of Relying K as John, John, Dave, Matt, and Matt. So mm-hmm. that's the picture that gets put up there. I'm going to try to upload... I was supposed to upload those acoustic sessions ever since our Sadie Hawkins dance episode, and I never got around to that. I'll get around to that, and I'm going to upload to our YouTube channel a the, the cleaner, better version of this song that doesn't have the skips, the digital skips that exist on the current YouTube upload. And I'm going to put a picture of the earliest possible Relying K that I can find with either Steven or someone else in the band. Like maybe Matt and Matt as teenagers, if such a picture exists. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Well, no pictures of them as teenagers definitely exist because weren't they like 18 and 19 when they first toured? So if, if, I mean, if there are pictures of them from like 1999. Sure. Yeah. So we will take our break. And listen closely so you know how to join patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod because for the foreseeable future, while my beautiful bride 
is <laughs> carrying our child and then probably after the child is born and we have no time even more so uh we will be going we'll like i said patreon content consistently every other week free episode alternate weeks so if you want to keep on the sadie hawkins pod train you got to go over to patreon.com Thank you so much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. If you want to join the conversation, please contact us with thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Reliant K memories at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE, or send an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our socials. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are all at Sadie Hawkins Pod, where you can see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. You can also visit sadiehawkinspod.com for easy access to all these links, as well as our merch store for shirts, mugs, and stickers. And on Facebook, search for Sadie Hawkins Group to discuss our show and Reliant K. It's admin by Danny, so honestly, you can probably post almost anything there. We also want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod, who include Samantha, Matthew, Bjorn, Emily, Isaac, Kindle, Joshua, Daniel, Jay, Joel, Connor, Michael, Samantha, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. Join our Patreon now for two monthly bonus episodes. Unlock dozens of existing bonus apps, including Chaos for Karaoke songs, every chapter of the complex infrastructure known as the Female Mind Book, stickers, guitar picks, and a special Patreon-exclusive shirt when you have donated a lifetime contribution of $60. Whether you join the Patreon or not, we appreciate that you have a lot of choices for podcasts out there in the world, so it's nice that you chose us. Thanks. So we went over the lyrics, and then here's where I I found that there's a Dropbox with this and some other rarities on there, mm-hmm. and then I actually have a couple of songs to ask you about, because I'm sure you've seen this and already have these written down. Um, so this is on r slash Reliant K posted six years ago by Zach Pledger. I think I can just answer that one of those questions right now. Okay. When we started this podcast, the the weeks leading up to our first episode, I found this Reddit post and this is one of the sources I used to devise our song list. Cool. Google our Google sheet that we manage. Okay, cool. Because yeah, choices. the bottom of this, they've got a bunch of extensive like things based on album and bonus tracks, hidden tracks, etc. So then finally at the at the bottom of the post it says, uh, and finally miscellaneous. Ed Sullivan, mm-hmm snippets from mm-hmm promo disc. My cape is stuck in the phone booth. Rebuild with Switchfoot and Ruth. Show and tell and what can I do? So right. I wasn't familiar with Show and Tell or Rebuild. Show and Tell's on our list. Rebuild okay. is not on our list. Okay. What's funny is that in this Reddit post, some people start like throwing out suggestions of covers that exist on YouTube that Reliant K performed at a concert. And people will be and the people kind of managing this Reddit post will be like, no, that doesn't count. We're looking for like rare tracks of Reliant K just because they played at a concert. And that was one of the ethos that I approached our list with was like, if it's uh, if it's just a song they played live once or twice or even over a whole tour, that doesn't count. Except I called a mulligan on the Office theme song. I decided they right. added enough original content to that live only song that was never officially released that we added that to our list. And then Rebuild 
I decided it's not really a Reliant K song. It's I think it's a Switchfoot song that has Reliant K and Ruth as guests on it. And so we didn't decide that collaborations, just like we don't do gotcha. the Fang song that has Reliant K on it, and we haven't done the Watashiwa songs that have Reliant K marked as contributors. So I wouldn't do, on our main song list, I wouldn't do songs by other artists that have Reliant K tagged on them. That, I feel like, is Patreon content. We did that with Black Bear. We did the Black Bear song, and we did the... Uh, the, uh, I feel like we did the Fang song, didn't we? We haven't done the Fang song oh. yet. We've talked about it when it came out. Gotcha. But I'm we just, did the I'm so confused because Bo songs. shows up so often to talk about right. it. <laughs> yeah, but we did the Andrew McMahon three songs that he did with Matt Thiessen with Polly Cy Alex as a guest. Uh, so something that I kind of thought was interesting was that Zach Pledger goes on to respond to some of the comments about where things are. And one of Zach's posts is, I'm pretty sure the Ed Sullivan one was left off for legal reasons. They're talking about debating legal reasons as to why Ed Sullivan was not on there. As far as where show and tell came from, I first heard of it on this sub maybe six months ago. And there seems to be very little about it online, though you can find lyrics, I believe. As for my cape is stuck in the phone booth, well, this is one of my favorite things ever. It existed in internet land because lyrics were out there, but I looked forever and never saw anywhere to get access to it. Finally, one day, three years ago, I wrote Matt Thiessen a letter. In it, I Uh. asked him if he knew where I could find it or Ed Sullivan, and I gave him my email at the end of the letter. (laughs) He emailed me back thanking me for the rad letter and had attached my cape in the email. He uh, doesn't have ed sullivan it was pretty surreal uh also sometime later i brought i bought the pre-release cd with ed sullivan so that's how those two songs made it to this sub and i'm very happy knowing that so i think that that's funny so that if you want if you uh, want to know where to get a better version of my cape got stuck in the phone booth just email matt teason so this how so this was six years ago mm-hmm. and three years before that he asked matt teason for a copy so and like the nine YouTube years upload ago. <laughs> is and the YouTube upload is from nine years ago. So maybe I'm incorrect in thinking that this maybe it was show and tell that was part of the the digital scavenger hunt. Someone out there has to give us more information about this yeah. gosh darn digital scavenger <laughs> hunt. Because I swear I'd heard that my cape is stuck in a phone booth was leaked in that format. And if I'm completely wrong I don't feel bad because there's no information about this. And a band like Reliant K should not have this kind of information just floating in the ether undefined. Like, that's one of the things we... I don't have the time and the mental capacity to, like, put all this information together. But, like, there's got to be professional researchers out there who love Reliant K. Like, there used to be that fan site but it just disappeared. Like, could we please buy that <laughs> that data from the person who let their site, the trademark.net site die? Like, this information should be saved. Relying K should not be letting the fun little things about their history just kind of die away. For, I mean, forget the fun little things about their history. The main things about their history aren't really, like, solidified in easy to access formats you have to be 
an archaeologist if you want to learn the history of Reliant K. We need K. an entire, entire oral history of Reliant K. Yeah, I would. <laughs> what I would really like is if they would just have a new official podcast, like Hoops and Teeson, talking about the history of them as a band. I have a feeling they might have more downloads than us if they did such a thing. <laughs> I would have no problem with the competition in the Reliant K <laughs> podcast uh, market, but that would be the dream because, like, Mike Carrera has. And that's his own how podcast. we can have extra content is that we can be like yeah, the after just, podcast. Yeah, exactly. There you go. We'll sum it up for that's you. That's a great idea. But Mike Carrera has his podcast, and it's a great source for learning the history of MXPX. And it's not like. Matt, uh, Mike Carrera is going through chronologically and laying things out in a documentary style. It is like an oral history thing. He takes voicemails, he answers questions, and you start to piece together stuff from the primary source. There is no primary source for Reliant K history, and I just think it's a little in the nicest way possible to say this, irresponsible, just to let your history just die. Like, I know you're living it. I know that they're a band, they're alive, they're vital, they have their memories. But don't let your memories go with you <laughs> 200 years from now when you pass away. Like, give, give your memories to your fans now. Like, let's have that history. People love Reliant K. People want a book or a podcast or just... A history, just some articles detailing the history. Post. A blog post. <laughs> but not the same freaking questions. They're named after Hoops' car. <laughs> They're having a good time on Warp Tour. They're from Canton. We know. <laughs> I want the real history of Reliant K. Well, finally, speaking of history, we have a live journal post from April 3rd, 2005. And so, okay, this lets you know that this song was out. And able to be found at some point in April of 2005. And this go. post is from Firefly underscore CA. Stolen from Kim Shep and Fisher Girl. And so this is that thing where put your playlist on shuffle and pick the first 20 songs that come up and add in my pants. You know, I think uh, they did this again on Twitter a couple of years ago. Add in my pants to a song or whatever. Well, number 19... On this live journal posters list was Reliant K. My cape got stuck in the phone booth in my pants. My first thought is of get smart is then what they wrote in parentheses. So I just think that that's interesting that you could find this song out and about at some point in 2005, apparently, or earlier. But that's, and again, that's like the... (sighs) To go back to the thing I was just ranting about, this is what has happened. This is what happened with Reliant K over the history of the early internet. Is some songs leaked, like Ed Sullivan, like Snake Charmer. These songs existed on file trading applications like the original Napster from early on. But despite what people say, the internet is not forever. (laughs) Like, you know, they tell kids, like, you know, they, they tell kids when they're growing up, like, don't take lurid pictures of yourself. Don't right. put anything out there that and you don't, don't want do out there. And don't do those things. Don't, don't do those things because the internet is forever. That's a good thing to tell kids. The internet is forever. Like once that's up there, that'll never come down. Tell kids that for sure because they have to know not to be 
Because uh, <laughs> some things are, but not all so, things. But yeah, but the thing is, the internet itself is actually not forever. Because Ed Sullivan, Show and Tell, these songs were online and then disappeared. And then you couldn't access them. And it's because some fans recently, with Discord, with YouTube... I mean, Snake Charmer just got re-uploaded to YouTube, if it ever was uploaded to YouTube... About a year or two ago, like, these things can become lost media. I can't believe we're skating on the edge of Reliant K having lost media. That is so fucking alarming, and I can't believe that nobody is as upset about this as I am. And if you're not upset, you should be, and there should be a fandom force to keep this from happening. Just think about it for one more second. There could be Reliant K lost media, media that will never be found, but it's just barely skating on the endangered list. Like, I don't think that there's anything that's absolutely not findable that was findable in the internet originally. Like, it's all kind of been refound in the last five or six years. Right. Well, you beat that this was dead horse zone. and bet on it, and I make <sighs> the same joke every podcast that you do this on, so... Uh, but I'm really... I know <laughs> I go off about stuff, and it's ridiculous, and it's silly, but this one is, like, really concerning. Right. <laughs> it's like, when I rant about hidden tracks, I know I'm not going to really get certain artists to change their ways about the way they do hidden tracks on streaming this today, is why blah, people blah, blah. leave patreon danny but this one is really <laughs> sort of yeah this one is really serious what to make room for the new patrons who are ready to sign up and get a weekly dose of sadie hawkins Bob. of course can everyone out there please let's work together and not allow oh my god Matt Thiessen himself didn't have a copy of a recording <laughs> of Ed Sullivan. A band member of the band Reliant K didn't have a cut track from their first album. That's what we're dealing with. These, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, bands like, what, like the Beatles and Radiohead and stuff, like... Nothing they've ever done. Weezer, the Beastie Boys, nothing they've ever done will ever, like, the tiniest, most insignificant thing, if it was released to the public or leaked in any format, it will never disappear from public availability because the fans keep it alive in archives and servers and trading things in discords nowadays. But Reliant K's, their, their rare media is skating on the endangered list. April's coming over to me. She's like, Dad's getting all all wild and passionate. <laughs> Is Dad over there. angry? <laughs> uh, so finally, the website uh, condoms with a Z dot FR came up, but I did not click into it. What? So maybe they had Reliant K condoms. Maybe they didn't. I'm not sure. Oh, my goodness. What do you have for us, Dan? We have one cover. I haven't heard it. I'm excited. This was sent to us as a podcast exclusive. This was sent to us by friend of the pod, Adam Goff. And this was sent originally back... When did you do... Before I say this, when did you do your original research? Uh, October 5th, 2021. Okay, it wasn't that. (laughs) So thank goodness we didn't do it then. Because back in August of 2022, Adam sent me an MP3 of 
his band. He has a new band since last year. Nice. Adam Goff used to be in, used to have, or still has. I don't know. Adam Goff was in Sylph, right? Now Adam is in Edgar Lee Island. So he, back in August, he sent us an email that said, "Here's Edgar Lee Island's exclusive cover. You're free to post the whole song if you'd like." And when you mention us, please encourage people to follow us on Spotify and Instagram. Heck yeah, which do is it. at Edgar underscore Lee underscore Isle. Check them out. Exclusive. Oh, it's not an MP3. Excuse me. I was wrong. It's not an MP3. It's an M4A. Should we take that whole? Should we start the whole episode over? <laughs> so anyway, Adam I think, sent I this. Think we need to. Adam sent this back in August. And I was like, hey, we're finally getting to the episode. And he's like, oh, that's cool because we have an album out now that you can specifically plug. And nice. I want to. The album is called Microanalysis. That's their album on Spotify and iTunes. But here is the Edgar Lee, Isle, uh, Edgar Lee Island cover of My Cape is Stuck in a Phone Booth. What do I do that amounts to anything at all? Wake me if I fall asleep My goals are white They should be But my mind will have to change And see things another way I'll be Taking a bull by the horns Take some action in this world Jumping into the ring Take control of everything The blame I'm not thinking that's me, of course I look in the mirror and see the source Of all my problems, God changed my ways I need God's love, I need His grace Once again I've fallen into sin, it's like quicksand around my soul The more I struggle, the stronger it holds on to me I wanna be free Wanna be able to see that there's another way If I check myself today, I want to Take the bull by the Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. Is it wrong that I like that better than the original? <laughs> That's way better than the original. <laughs> I, I love that. I didn't think the question beforehand. They use the lyrics that are online. We just set, spent an hour qu- questioning and tearing apart AZ lyrics. <laughs> but in this context, 
I love that it they works. did use the lyrics yeah. online because it's such a nice, beautiful, melodic song yeah. that to reference digging a grave and a war, like just kind of use, you know, it would, it would, it would work, but it just makes it a little nicer. <laughs> That's such a nice version of the song. And I like all the tricks that they did, like the little, the, the change ups of different styles, kind of like the song, the original song did, but they're using different sort of soft acoustic styles changing up changing changing up at different points of the song i'm getting sleepy <laughs> yeah i really <sighs> like that so definitely i'm i'm going to for sure definitely go check out Edgarly island yes and like i said check out their album microanalysis on spotify and itunes let's actually go listen to their new oh danny album. i don't know they might they might throw us with a copyright strike <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> Well, here's the song with the most listens. This is called We'll See, and this is from the new album. Oh, this was the single as well. I don't move a muscle if I can't break free It's beastly how they watch me bleed And don't give me the prize I need We'll see what's waiting for me after We could just play the whole three-minute song, but I guess I'll cut it there. That's a fun <laughs> little 50s, little bluesy. Yeah. They have a playlist on uh, Not Of Their Music. They have an Essentials? Oh. No, they have a playlist of their inspirations on Spotify. Oh, cool. That's fun. At least we made it this far. Get Over It by OK Go. Getting Into You. Get Over It. Die Alone by... I know that Eagle song. Die Alone by Ingrid Michelson. The Happy Fits. More Reliant K. Audio Adrenaline. Fallout Boy. Teasing and the Earthquakes. More Reliant K. OK Go. Courtney Barnett, Yesterday by the Beatles, and another Ingrid Michelson song. Get over, yeah, where's the influence of get over it? Late day Eagles just rocking hard, telling uh, all those uh, all those grungy guys that, hey, you're too serious about this rock and roll. That's what that song's about, I'm pretty sure. I think I heard Patton Oswalt talk about that once, it's like, the song Get Over It by the Eagles is like, is it the Eagles or is it a solo Eagles song? Either way, it's like... I think it's it's actually just Later Days Eagles. Okay, it's it's the, the, the point of the song is that it's actually like them telling like bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana, like, you guys are too <laughs> uptight, man. Think about the Eagles, right? the least uptight band of all time. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, documentaries, which is primarily what I watch on HBO Max, with the exception of... Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, which I watch with you. And we're almost done. We're like three episodes until the series finale. And that made me remember that you were going to talk about uh, Warner Brothers or DC or something. They just released. Yeah, I was in the middle of 
doing that for top of the show business and then we just launched into <laughs> <Yep>. the song <laughs> three minutes into the episode like we don't know what the hell we're doing talking about the song when <laughs> when the minutes are still in single digits i feel embarrassed i'm just kidding anyway yes warner now we'll talk about superhero stuff and then we'll wrap up the episode warner brothers released their slate of like james gunn's plan for uh the upcoming dc movies and tv shows and there's like a green lantern tv show on hbo and there's gonna be like a superman legacy movie that's gonna be like i think it's gonna be based on like superman for all seasons and all-star superman because it's basically gonna be be like a an epic thing about krypton and clark growing up on earth in smallville or whatever there's I mean, don't get excited because it's James Gunn produced, but there's going to be a Supergirl movie that he's going to produce. Oh, in no way am I excited for that with James Gunn attached. Sorry. Because (laughs) it even said in the description, and I'm like, ooh, Jessica, because Supergirl is Jessica's favorite superhero. And I know what she loves about Supergirl is that she's like even more about hope than Superman. Yeah. And the... uh, description was her tenant is like hope help and compassion for all so so uh the the description was like uh growing up on a chunk of the planet krypton watching her friends and family die around her this is a jaded version of the character i mean we've gotten jaded supergirls before in the comics in the comics yeah in the alien in the superman versus alien crossover that's what there was a version of kara I've never, I, we talked about it years ago when you first got into Supergirl. I was like, hey, there's a version of Supergirl in the Superman versus Aliens crossover, which you don't think would work, but they send him to a chunk of Krypton that that version of Kara <laughs> is like trapped on. And that version of Argo City got infested with xenomorphs. And when gotcha. Superman lands there answering the beacon, he doesn't have his powers because he's not under the yellow sun. Neither of them right. have their powers. So Superman is having to fight off aliens with... with he, he doesn't have no power, but his diminishing power. DC and Dark Horse Comics did a lot of really great crossovers with the DC heroes and the aliens and the Predator. The Batman versus Predator one. Hey, we're talking about superheroes. Oh, we didn't even talk about the song title. We'll good. We'll double back around to that. So after we talk about superheroes, Predator versus Batman is awesome. It's a really good comic. <laughs> it's just flat out a good comic. It's like you can't even believe it. Just like when we talk about how Green Day Coffee is some of the best coffee in the world, and right. people are like, "But it's celebrity coffee." I'm like, "No, it doesn't matter that Green Day is behind it. It's the best coffee in the world." Batman versus Predator is a really good Batman story and a really good Predator story. There were sequels to it that weren't nearly as good, but whatever. Also, superhero related, today as we record this, Black Panther Wakanda Forever comes out. We got to watch that. We never oh, yeah. got to the theater. Things have been so crazy with us being pregnant and all. We just couldn't get to the theater to see a three hour. <laughs> we've also been busy with both of us working and everything right. so but we couldn't get we, we were really looking forward to wakanda forever and we couldn't get to the theater for it so 
Are you looking up superhero related things? Oh, I was just going to say that a fun, like, dark Supergirl story is is Supergirl from 1996, where, so that was, like, during the part where she was retired because of crisis Mm -hmm. and so this is like a very different she like lives in virginia it's super weird (laughs) (laughs) but basically the um the like quote-unquote supergirl like the other person who was wearing that mantle at the time like she goes to save this girl who's like dying or whatever and it's because she's part of like a like satanic cult or whatever (laughs) and so she actually saves like an evil version of becomes sort of an evil dark version of supergirl and sort of has to come back to being good kind of while mm-hmm. also she has this cult thing going on so it's been oh, a minute since i, read I know it. about That's the mainly supergirl just the cult. first one <laughs> i'm familiar with it i live with it um so we didn't talk about the song title and that'll circle us back around to relying k and so we can wrap up the episode the song is called My Cape is Stuck in a Phone Booth. Which, what does that even mean with the rest of the song? Right. Is he trying to say that he would be a Superman if his cape wasn't stuck in the phone booth because he needs to get closer to God? Or... I think that's, I think you basically around what I was thinking. Okay. Very strange. I feel like it was probably one of those situations where it's a title that he came up with in his head one day. He's like, that's an interesting title. Maybe for a song, maybe for an album, maybe for something. I don't know. I could just imagine he's like came up with that title, wrote it down, and then either built a song around it that, you know, had this idea for the title, tried to write a song around it, but never actually worked the title idea into the song, except like vaguely thematically. Or he wrote this song, didn't have a title, and pulled this title out of the notebook because he was like, eh, it's kind of similar. What I think the title is getting at is it's like the phone booth is sin and being a super... Oh. No, 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 this is what I mean. I think he, what he's saying is, just follow me for a second, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I think he's saying the phone booth is sin and him being a superhero is his potential if he wasn't constantly setting himself back. I think essentially what he's saying is that we, as humans... Are a sinful phone booth. No, no, no. We, as people, we as humans, have the potential to fly, metaphorically speaking. We have the potential to achieve all our goals. In this context, he's saying, through a faith in Christ. So he's saying, Christians have the ability to soar, metaphorically speaking, and be little Christ. That's what the word Christian literally means. It means you're supposed to be Christ-like. You're supposed to be a reflection of Christ. You are supposed to be as strong and powerful and loving and kind and and at peace and harmonious as Christ himself. You have the ability to get that. You have the ability to be a superhero in the context of Jesus is a superhero. I'm using air quotes over here. So I think that's what he's getting at. But like, you can't quite fly. You're not you. You have the ability to be a superhero, but your cape got stuck in a phone booth because you're not paying attention and you fell back into temptation. I think that's what's essentially the idea there. Now that I've said all this out loud, it really feels like a youth pastor thing. It feels like, <laughs> hey kids, you like these superheroes? Well, yeah. You know, it you could be that, a superhero. It is from that time. Yeah, you could be a superhero through Jesus. 
But sometimes your cape gets stuck in a phone booth. And the phone booth, that's your sin. I think that's what he's getting at. I'm pretty sure. What do you think? Oh, I said what I thought. <laughs> I said what I said. I said what I said. <laughs> you know what, superhero? You know what? Now that I... <laughs> Danny, who's your favorite superhero? I know it changes sometimes. Because right. Danny used to be a big comic book guy. Not like comic book guy from The Simpsons. Just Danny I was a fan of Iron of Man before yeah. the movie. Yeah. So I was excited. Ju- I was excited. When, when I met Danny, like Iron Man was his favorite superhero. And I would never heard of Iron <laughs> Man before. <laughs> and then when they announced Jon Favreau to direct the Iron Man movie, I was really excited. Because I'd already seen Zuthura. An elf, and I knew that he has an amazing eye for mixing practical with digital and not just going full digital, right? So I was really excited, and that first Iron Man movie is really good. It's exactly what I was hoping for. Batman, I'll just say, but I think it's Batman. It was all my favorite superhero was always Batman when I was a kid. All right, you're such a normie. Well, whatever. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing you. It was Iron Man for a while. I love you. I'm just teasing you. But one, you know, now I'm just thinking about this. You know, in this context, in in some like youth pastor, uh, you know, sermons, Jesus is kind of shown as like a superhero. He's the he's the real superhero, kids. Right. But I never thought about it this way. You know, Superman is kind of oh, like stop. Jesus. Stop. He's kind of like a messiah figure. Stop. I'm kidding. Yes, because I, I find it kidding. so obnoxious like, <laughs> how every single filmmaker they and you're, are like, you're a Zack Snyder apologist well that's the, one of the worst things of Zack Snyder <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> oh, thing no, Zack Dan. Snyder ever did oh, was compared oh, no. Superman to Jesus no I'm not part of the Zack Snyder cult we've gone over this I just think Zack Snyder is a really amazing artist but the cult around him has gotten insane it's it's too much. It's ridiculous what's happened. And I would like to see that universe, but I'm not going to go I'm not going to spend my energy harassing people because I want Zack Snyder's universe. It's done. It's done. Justice League was a perfectly serviceable ending. You can leave all those little loose openings. I don't care. Anyway, I find it obnoxious when people who are kind of outside creators from outside of the comic book world come into creating a Superman thing and they're like, you know, Superman's kind of like Jesus. So we'll put all this iconography and kind of make this like a Messiah figure. I'm like, no, Superman's just Superman. Superman's just Superman. And literally you, dude, you filmmaker guy, you figuring out Jesus uh, is Superman as a metaphor for Jesus, you're the millionth person to put this together and it's never fresh. It's never fresh, and it completely misses the mark of what Superman actually is. I don't see, I don't think Superman is actually meant as a messianic figure. I think that's like, I don't know, that's a whole nother podcast. So we'll try to have John Schneck on to talk about that because Heck he yeah. loves superheroes. Yeah. Maybe that's why people kept putting the five score era picture of Reliant K on this song is because oh, they knew go. that Schneck exactly. loves comic books. There you go. Sorry, not to be super disparaging of James Gunn. It's just, I, I'm not a, I'm not a like huge he, fan he, for, a multi- for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. And to just see him I, I i'm not it looking forward to see what seeing what he does with i know it sounds stupid but my favorite superhero but like 
yeah. a, a superhero that it was the first time when I could actually see like a re- sort of a reflection of myself in a character, like in a superhero character, because it's really hard to, especially when you're female, because usually female superheroes only have like one personality, one personality trait, trait. And that's I think it. we talked about this a long time ago, but female superheroes in cinematic movies don't they while it's wonderful that they have a diverse uh like racial and background there's a lot of diversity there yeah what there isn't a diversity in and this is a failure of the producers directors and writers what they don't have a diversity in is character traits yeah personality almost all the marvel female superheroes are written the same way yeah and the male superheroes are not. Thor is like a serious guy who became a jokey guy. Captain America is an earnest but fun loving and caring and open person. Tony Stark is like aloof and fun and goofy but also like kind of like secretly damaged or whatever. But all the female superheroes think of them like Wasp, Captain Marvel, uh, you know, the, the, the Black Widow, uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch, the Black Panther women, <laughs> they, they all have the same like simple, stoic, yeah. serious demeanor and they can tell a joke in the context that Sometimes any character can snarky. tell a joke. Yeah. But Jessica, it has, it is something she noticed and started saying to me and I was like, you're right. Like, all the female superheroes are written the same way. And that's really cool of DC at the time that they could have, like, their character, their female heroes have a more diverse range of character traits. Like, we've, we're, we're getting there now with diverse race and LGBTQ and all that stuff with the heroes. But the female characters, you need to see more, like traits in there and because jessica is a fun bright hopeful person when right (laughs) that's what you see in supergirl (laughs) yeah she's just kind of like you know sometimes she's written as or performed as in like shows and stuff as a little goofy like she's a little naive but also a little goofy and has like her own sort of like street smarts kind of and so it's like she has more going on with her that it's like, I'm like, oh, I can see myself in that. Whereas it's like, I can't see myself in Scarlet Witch or uh, Black <laughs> Widow or any of these like very stoic, very like, oh, maybe I will say a snarky thing now. Captain Marvel kind of characters. Right. These like very one-sided characters. And Captain Marvel's character trait, like I know that that gets like attacked by trolls and sexist trolls and stuff. But it's like, if that was her, if, if, if so many of the other Marvel female characters didn't have her similar character trait, I think her her stoic, matter-of-fact character trait, it makes complete sense since she has a military background. Yeah, totally. It makes sense for her. So then why do all the other characters have this cold, simple, yeah. like, demeanor? Like, what, like, why can't a wasp be a little bit more fun and bright like like she was on lost like we we know i'm not even kidding like like wasp's character the range yeah wasps i mean whatever with evangeline lily and what they're like her covid response and stuff and how they're trying to bury her in far in terms of a promotion of the next movie but i'm just saying like we see kate have a really wide range of 
emotional cues and development throughout Lost, but she's very one note, unfortunately, not the actress's fault. Wasp is very one note in the Marvel movies, and it should not be. It's proven that it doesn't have to be that way. We see Evangeline Lilly, what she can accomplish as an actress. Even her elf character has more has more range and emotion. That's just sad. Yeah, that <laughs> that character has more of an emotional arc than anything Wasp has done. And emotional arcs shouldn't just be like I'm me and now I'm sad because something bad happened. Like there could be emotional arc can be more. It can be like you face adversity and you face it with a smile, like Captain America does. Horrible stuff happens to Captain America, but he never loses his hope. And he shows his hope through character action and through dialogue all the time. Why can't there be a Captain America-style character emotionally in a female Marvel character? Yeah, yeah. There is, there are, they are setting up a number of different characters to try to be the next Captain America in the, you know, these current phases. But it's like, we don't, you need someone who's kind of on par emotionally with the same emotional range. And they did, they did Agent Carter really well, but you don't see her that way in the movies, just in the TV series. Because when you see her, when she does appear in movies, she's just there to facilitate being a girlfriend for (laughs) Captain America. But I would say... But when she's out on her own in the TV-verse... yeah. She's great. But even, yeah, Agent Carter in that first Captain America movie, she's the only character that really hits that thing that we're talking about. And Black Widow has her moments that we're talking about. I think Black Widow actually has the most emotionally diverse notes throughout her time in the show. Uh, in, this, in the show. What is Mar- the Marvel <laughs> Universe but a giant multi-billion dollar TV But show? oh my gosh, Wanda, she has two modes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Sad and tortured and then like, like Extra amped sad up and tortured. to 11. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how far. I'll, I'll get working on that. I'll send a letter. You do a, that. You know, and I would say actually She-Hulk. She-Hulk was the next one where they... Uh, where there is there is more going on with that, that we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's the show is whatever the sh- you feel the show is story wise. Like it had its ups and its downs, episode to episode. There were really good, there were highs in that in that show, and there were real low lows story wise. <laughs> right, and I don't care about the politics of the story themselves. Are like kind of preemptively attacking the sexist trolls and the incels. I expected the show to do something like that. It did it a bunch. I really don't care. But the 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 filler episodes in a six what was it seven episodes? The filler episodes were torturous. Yeah. But the character was fantastic. Yeah. Tatiana Mislani, you know she's one of the most talented female actors of our generation. Yeah. Because what she does on Black on Orphan Black is outstanding. Yeah. And she brought that talent, that brightness, that cleverness, that wit. To yeah, she, she brought Hulk. a multifaceted character, but again, that's in a TV show. Yeah, it's not even on the big screen. I hope when She Hulk turns up in a in a film that she can have that. Uh, like yeah. if she's going to be in the World War, World War Hulk movie, or if you know she's going to be a part of uh, Secret Wars or something. I hope that she keeps that same emotional, yeah, bright. Oh my core. gosh, all the female Guardians of the Galaxy. One note. <laughs> They're all the same. They're all the same. They're all one note. Thank you, even James Mantis, Gunn. Even Mantis, who is technically like a little more open and friendly. She's still very reserved. Yeah. Just the, all the female characters in Guardians of the Galaxy are reserved. They all have different 
uh, emotional cores, but they are all still reserved. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I'm not really looking G- Gamora forward. Gamora and Amy Pond are basically the same. I mean, Makes even sense. if they They're are sisters. sisters, yeah, it's just... Goodness gracious. Amantis is brighter, she's fun, she can have she can have certain comedic beats that the other two can't have. But again, she's like reserved. Like, what's the deal? I'm not yeah, James Gunn, I'm not saying he's sexist or something, but his female characters, when I think about them, do kind of fall into a certain thing. Let's not even talk about the trauma movies. Those are something else oh, entirely. Boy. But if I'm just thinking of like super and Slither, and these Marvel movies, and um, Suicide Squad. Like, his female characters... Maybe Suicide Squad's a little bit more diverse, but he's really just working with Harley Quinn, which is not a character he... Not a character in that cinematic universe that he created. Like, that character Mm -hmm. in that cinematic universe was already defined by Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie doing more for what we're wishing would happen in the Marvel Universe with Harley Quinn than all the female characters in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think Margot Robbie's performance as Harley Quinn in The Suicide Squad is more elevated by her. By her and knowing that character, as opposed to James Gunn, if he had written that character, she probably would have been a slightly different thing, thinking of James Gunn's female characters. I don't know. I'm not, you know, all of these James Gunn-produced DC movies are going to be written and directed by different people. He doesn't have the time to write and direct all of these himself. He's he's the Kevin Feige now of the DC, uh, the DC Cinematic Universe. It's a terrifying universe. thought. I'm just going to throw that out there. Right. But, like, you know... Kevin Feige pushes he 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 codifies the style of the Marvel movies, but he doesn't necessarily, and he and he figures out what story beats are going to be hit over years. But he's not like making every creative decision. He doesn't have the time to do that. So James Gunn's going to have to do the same thing. He's going to like probably set up here are the story beats we have to hit. He's going to give the assignments to the directors and the writers. Hopefully, the directors and the writers can elevate those past a point where we're not really Jessica and I don't really enjoy. James Gunn. So, like, when I think of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I feel depressed. Like, that is not... Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is, like, the Dark Knight Rises of the Marvel movies. Like, that is... Like, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is so dark that it's just... It's like it was fun the first time I watched it. Fun, flashy, bright, whatever. But it's like, when I think about some of the stuff in that movie, I just get depressed. I'm like, that movie's so, like, secretly dark. But it's colorful and bright and Rocket and Groot, baby Groot. So you kind of miss just how f- messed up. I don't want to have to edit a bleep in. How messed up some of the themes of that movie are. Groot anyway. has more character traits than... He, and he can only <laughs> say three words! <laughs> Women in Guardians of the Galaxy. He has more of an emotional arc from with the original Groot to baby Groot to teen Groot. He's yeah. had more emotional arc than almost all of the female superheroes in the Marvel Universe. You wrote that for a tree! What are you doing? <laughs> Gosh darn it! Maybe Groot is technically female and they just never mentioned it. Because we don't know, he's a tree. That's sure, true. he seems to be coded as male and I'm even saying he right now. But what if technically he, it, Groot is a female tree? Or non-binary. Or non-binary. He's probably more about non-binary because I don't know. Do trees have trees? Don't have genders. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever asked one? They Good do in Lord of the Rings. They do. That is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> and in Lord of the Rings, you could tell which trees were female because they had little bows on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say because they had boobs. <laughs> <laughs> they had that too. <laughs> 
My cape is stuck in a phone booth, so we will see you. As you are we good? Do you have yeah, anything else you I want to talk about good. superheroes? We'll see you in two weeks. Now that we are on this every other week format, we are going to be able to start announcing what song we'll be doing next time. So you can call up with uh, voicemails. You can, if you have time to do a cover, we already have a cover for the song in two weeks. And the song in two weeks is part of it from Forget and Not Slow Down. And that's what we'll be doing in two weeks. And then in four weeks, we'll be doing a Wind Up Bird song. We'll be doing another Earthquake song. So we will, you know, if you want to do a cover, if you have covers, if you have material for part of it, you can get it on the show within the next two weeks. And you can call us up with your voicemails, talk about what you think about the song part of it. And you can call up our voicemail and you can say, Jessica, you're doing a great job. Danny's child and you're amazing. You're a queen. You're a princess. (laughs) Everyone can just celebrate and love on Jessica and let her know that she's doing amazing. That's too much attention. Thank you, dear. <laughs> this has been... I, what was my new outro? We'll catch you on the floppity flippity. The flippity floppity, I think? <laughs> no, I said flippity floppity, and then you said floppity flippity. Oh, I'm like, I see. That's perfect, because it's a flippity floppity of flippity floppity. I'm not really going to say this. <laughs> okay. Oh, are we done? We're done. Uh, all right.